Hey, friends of Cross of Life, thanks for joining us for another episode of our podcast. Uh, This is Pastor Caleb. I will not be preaching for you this week. We were blessed this past week with Pastor Mark Henrich from Hope in Toronto, uh, who led us in worship and preached God's word to us. So the voice you'll hear next is Pastor Henrich with his sermon from this past Sunday. God bless your week. May God's grace, his mercy, and his peace be with us as we now turn our attention to his holy word for us today. Dear friends in Christ, a couple weeks ago, we started getting all kinds of pictures on our family WhatsApp thread, and they were from Molly's younger sister, Jenna, who lives in Arizona, but because she hit her marks for her workplace, she was rewarded with an all-expense-paid trip to Hawaii. I mean, it was a big deal, so every day there's pictures coming from Hawaii, so guess what the pictures were of? This is... I'm asking you. You can respond. What were the pictures of? No, it wasn't a volcano. <laughs> Beaches, sky, water. It was just beautiful. And it especially resonated, and I have to admit, even though I'm a pastor, I was really jealous because this was two weeks ago when Toronto weather was especially what? Cold and gray and clammy and cold. And you saw, and then plus, the perks of the trip also were that it was a free luau one day. And then another day, it was a catamaran trip to go snorkeling. And so you saw this boat out in the, again, did I say? The water, the sun, the sky. And, and a picture was sent that Jenna sent, this big catamaran boat. And then there's people that are sprawled out laying on the boat. And thinking, oh, they're getting their tan. But then she explained the people were not getting their tan. She said, all the people laying down on the catamaran, they were the people violently seasick. <laughs> and so you look at that picture and it's, you know, you know that word juxtaposition where it's, I think it just means like, it's just like weirdly odd that you put them together. And, you, and you, what you have is this beautiful sea and the sky and the catamaran boat. And in the middle of that was what? People that are just they don't care. They're just sick, right? And so the, the two don't seem to go together, right? What does that Hawaii and sick, seasickness have to do with Psalm 23? I want to talk to you today about Psalm 23, especially focusing in on, on one section of Psalm 23. But Psalm 23 is this beautiful section of Scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, right? I shall lack nothing. It's this beautiful imagery. What does that have to do with seasickness, Right? Because the, the psalm is all about God's goodness to us. I want to especially focus on verse 2 and 3. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And it's that picture of those green pastures. One of our old songs is verdant, right? The verdant pastures, quiet waters, the still waters. It's that picture of peace and contentment and quietness. And, and yet, if you look into the words a little bit more deeply, there's also this juxtaposition that's there. Because we see the green pastures and the quiet waters, and sometimes we look at our own lives, and how many of us would describe our our lives right now as being perfect green pastures and quiet waters where there's no problems and no heartache? We would not say that. And so where are the green pastures? Where are the quiet waters? How are we to understand this passage in Scripture today? One of the things that we all want and desire is we want goodness. 
We want good things. We want them for ourselves. We want them in our family. We desire that. It's part of our DNA. And I don't think that's all wrong because we just want to be able to enjoy good things. And yet, because we are sinful and we have a sinful nature, sometimes we just... we. We want it in a way that we shouldn't. And so we want to talk today about what is this goodness that the psalm writer is describing? How is he, what does he mean by goodness? Um, I have to confess, I'm an American citizen. So you grew up with American history, and you learn about American things. And one of the things that is embedded into us when you're raised in the United States is the Declaration of Independence, and you get to this section about our inalienable rights. And the inalienable right of every American citizen is to be able to have the right to pursue life Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Man, that's, <clears throat> that's what everybody wants. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And you can read essays about the founding fathers and what they meant by the, what we think they meant by the pursuit of happiness. That's the ability to, to follow your own religion, the ability to live at peace, the ability to serve. As the centuries have gone on, in my home country and maybe in other places too, the pursuit of happiness is translated to what? I deserve to be happy. I demand happiness. I deserve, ha I deserve good things in my life and if my life isn't totally comfortable and happy, then something's wrong and the problem isn't with me, the problem is with work or the government, the problem's with somebody else because I deserve goodness, I deserve happiness. And that's not attainable. Even when we have happiness for a while, it doesn't, how long does a trip to Hawaii last? It's a trip. We know that happiness, we can experience it for a little while, but then the meal ends. The vacation ends. You still have to go to the doctor. You still have to pay bills. Life go. So what is this goodness that God is talking about? I look at these verses, and the words that stand out to me are green pastures, quiet waters. It's like an all-inclusive vacation. That's what I picture. But is that really the emphasis of this passage? Let me read it again and focus on the pronouns. Here's a little bit of English test for you. Remember what pronouns are? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Where is the emphasis of the psalm writer? He, he, he. You, I don't get green pastures and quiet waters. It's not something that I deserve and I demand. It's something that he can only provide. And it's something that he gives as a gift. He restores my soul. I'm reading this book right now about a, a, that a pastor's writing, but he's a second career pastor, and his first occupation was he was an actual shepherd. And so it's really neat. He wrote this book on, on Psalm 23. A shepherd looks at the good shepherd. It's really neat. And he talks about this verse. He talks about the old English phrase about being cast down, that a sheep can become cast now, what does it mean for a sheep to become cast? Now, I have to ask, any of you sheep farmers in your former life or today? Okay, that, taking a pretty good guess that Toronto city folk aren't sheep farmers, right? Maybe in your past. We might know this about turtles, that if turtles flip over on their back, what can't they do? Did you know the same is true for sheep? That sheep, you know that? That sheep can't get back up. Isn't that incredible? 
Sheep are such helpless creatures that if they get turned over, I understand that they can't flip. You know, it's not like a cat who just turns around. A sheep just, they get stuck. And it's a very serious thing. You know, it looks comical, but it's actually very serious because if the weather's hot, a sheep can die in a matter of hours. If it's cooler, they might last a few days, but they cannot right themselves. They start losing circulation in their extremities. Gases build up and they die. I talked about this in a Bible class some years back at another church, and I said, I think this is kind of a made-up thing. And one of the ladies raised her hand, Miss Ruth, and she said, that was my job, Pastor, when I was a child on my ranch, on the farmer ranch. I said, what do you mean that was my job? She said, yes, we lived on this big ranch, and when I was 9, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old girl, my, one of my duties was to look for the lost sheep because they might be turned over. And so we had to keep an eye out for birds of prey because if they were circling out someplace, I had to go and I said, what would you do? And she said, well, what you did is this. You went and found the sheep and you didn't just tip it back over, but you had to, you had to ride the sheep. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you ever sleep on your arm and you can't feel your arm or you can't walk? You'd have to pick up the sheep and you would have to get on its back and you would have to what? Rub its legs and you'd have to walk with it to get its extremities going so that it could, so that it could live again. It's a real thing. And so when the Bible talks about the shepherd seeking the sheep, the lost sheep, it's a real thing because you could lose your sheep. That's, that's, that's your livelihood. So are we here today to learn interesting factoids about sheep? Now you got something to tell people at supper tonight, right? Isaiah 53. What does the, what does the prophet write in Isaiah 53? We all, like sheep, have gone astray. King David is doing it in this psalm. The prophet Isaiah does it. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We are like sheep. We are sheep that have become cast, and sometimes we get become cast. And Not only do we get lost, but sometimes we get cast and turned over. And again, I'm guessing that most of us here today are pretty mobile folks. You, t- you got out of bed. You were, if you got turned upside down, you were, you'd be able to write yourself up, wouldn't you? Most days. Most days. But what is the psalm writer talking about? Listen to King David's words. There's a time in his life where King David wrote this, Psalm 55. My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught. The voice of my enemy at the stairs of the wicked. They bring down suffering on me. They revile me in their anger. My heart is within anguish, is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. David looks at his life and, and it, it is thought that David wrote this psalm when his own son Absalom had rejected him and was causing a coup in Jerusalem and causing a rebellion against him. And his own, one of his own closest advisors, Ahithophel, had betrayed David and had gone over to the other side. David describes this as a time in his life where he felt cast, he felt turned over. He, he didn't know what to do. And sometimes it happens to us that the things that happen to us in life cause us to A friend betrays us. A spouse says, I no longer care. The doctor says, it's not good news. The job says, no more. You're done. 
the school you're trying into, trying to get into says no. The profession you thought you were going to have, the family you thought you were going to have, it's not working out. There are times in our lives where we've all experienced we're mobile, but we're stuck. King David went on to describe another time in his life. He said, there was a time in my life where I kept silent. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Day and night, your hand was against me. It sounded like God had done something to David. But if you know the background of that psalm, Psalm 32, it wasn't something that God had done to David. What had David done that caused his life to be upside down, immobile, you might say, on his bed? Think of the litany of sins that happened in his life. Not going off to war like all the other kings, being a little bit complacent and lazy, seeing Bathsheba from his palace rooftop, lust coming into his mind, and then the progression of sins, the adultery, the cover-up, the murder, and all those things, and he had it hidden from everybody in Jerusalem. Nobody knew. But he knew, God knew. And he was flat on his back. And who here hasn't been there? where there's things that have happened in our life of our own doing, things we did, things we said, something that we could not get over. And we functioned through the days, but it was like a cloud. What does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd seeks his sheep. And the good shepherd looks for a sheep and calls. What did the good shepherd do for David? In David's case, he sent a, a prophet. He sent Nathan, and, and Nathan had to bring to, to David the law and say, yes, you've sinned, but then when David said, I am, I am a sinner, then what did, King David, what did Nathan say to King David? Your sins are forgiven. You were at peace with God. When enemies were around, look at all the psalms that are there where David talks about how the Lord is with me. You are a shield, my, my shield. You will not leave me. All those precious, precious psalms where David said, Lord, you are with me. It didn't matter because you might think, oh yeah, it's easy for David to say, oh, my life is green pastures and quiet waters because David's living in a palace. But it wasn't about palace living. David knew his soul had been restored. How much do you need in life to be happy? How much do you need to be content? I think one of the richest people in the world, 100, 120 some years ago, J.P. Getty, one of those like, uh, like Bezos today from Amazon, he was that, that kind of rich, and somebody asked him, how much money do you need? And his response was, I don't know, but just a little bit more. Right? What do you need to be happy? A good shepherd who comes to you and says, you are mine. I love you. And he turns us over again and he says, you are forgiven. It reminds us that in the waters of baptism, he claimed you to be his. In communion, he reassures you that your sins are forgiven. When you hear the word, either through a pastor or through brothers and sisters in faith, or as you read scripture yourself, you are reminded that you are his own dear child. And you have a precious place in his flock. 
And even though we don't know the direction that life is always going to go, he knows, and he just simply says, trust me, follow me, because the Lord does not only pick us up and turn us over and say, well, now, good luck. The Lord picks us up, and he leads, he guides, he restores, he brings. Some other interesting facts about sheep is that sheep are, by nature, very unsettled creatures. They're nervous, they're antsy, they backbite, they don't get along with each other, they're they're, they're backbiting creatures, they're nervous, they're antsy, anything can distract them. They're anxious, nervous creatures. How often does our life describe like that? Antsy, nervous? How many of us struggle with anxiety and sleepless nights? How many of us struggle with relationships with other people? Where are the green pastures? Where are the quiet waters? The shepherd wrote in his book, the, the book that I was reading, he said, there is no other, anim- there is no other uh, livestock animal quite like sheep that needs such a detailed, such, such time. They're consuming creatures because sheep cannot take care of themselves. They cannot fend for themselves. Sheep ruin life for themselves. And, and, and farmers know this. Ranchers know this. What will sheep do? Sheep don't know about crop rotation. Sheep, what, do, what do sheep eat, by the way? This isn't a hard question. What do sheep eat? Grass. And so if you have a, this green grass, which we see all in abundance today, the sheep have the green grass, but what, sheep don't know about going to someplace else. What will they do to their plot of grass? They will eat it and eat it. They will kill it because they will just take it down to the nub and below, right? And that'll cause erosion and then there'll be parasites. Sheep cannot find their own green pastures. They just do the same thing over and over again. The same ruts, the same path. They will destroy land. How often aren't we like sheep? We can't find our own green pastures. We can't find our own happiness. How... How many times do we go back to the same sins in our life? So I'm going to ask you this question this morning. How many totally brand new sins did you do this last week? How many totally brand new sins did you, and you know what I mean by that? Um, I mean, every sin in a sense is brand new, but a, a, a kind of sin that you've never sinned, I've never done that kind of sin before. How many of us when we sinned this last week and we think of our own sins, that it was the exact same sin that we've been doing for how many decades are you alive? In actions or in thoughts or about this person or about that person or situations that we review in our minds, all kinds of different things, whatever might we just over and over and over again, how do we ever get out of that? How do we ever get unstuck? The good shepherd picks us up and he says, follow me. I will take you to some special places. And the good shepherd picks us up and he takes us. He says, now follow me and see what I did first for you. And he takes us to his cross. And we see how the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. You would do that for me. He takes us and he shows us the mansions of heaven that I have prepared for you. But then he turns back around and he says, I have come and I have come that you might have life to the full. Not just when you get to heaven, but that you might have life here I take you and I'll show you my promises that I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will teach you the joy, like Paul said, the secret of being content in life with whatever you have and whatever you don't have with your circumstances. I will teach you the secret of being content. Because if you have me, you have everything. 
And when you have me, then you see life as a blessing. A table prepared before me, that you anoint my head with oil. You give me your Holy Spirit. You comfort me. God promises goodness to his people. So I'm going to ask you this morning as we wrap up the sermon, where is goodness? Where do you find goodness? And the answer? In Hawaii. (laughs) Just making sure you're listening. In Hawaii, right? Sure. It'd be sweet to go. But that's not a, a lasting goodness, is it? Because even in the midst of the goodness, there might be some seasickness or a lot of seasickness. So we thank the Lord for those pleasures and joys and friendships and food and whatever goodness he gives to us in our life. But you know the answer already because you said it. Where is goodness? In Jesus. And where is Jesus? Right here. And with us. And so with that, every day is good. He leads me. He guides me. My brothers and sisters in faith, enjoy your green pastures. Enjoy your quiet waters because you have them, and so do I. Amen? Amen. Amen.